Yeah, let's give it up for them. Well, hey, that song really sets us up really well for where we're going today because we're talking about our hearts. Um, the reality of our world is that we have a tendency over time for our hearts to harden towards people, towards things, towards situations that are in our world that, that should cause us to feel some type of emotion over time. We just kind of get um, hardened to that, and I believe that God wants to change that. We are in week two of a three-week series called Intentional Acts of Kindness. My name is Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you if this is your first time. Thank you for joining us. Um, but we are speaking about three weeks of not random acts of kindness, but intentional acts of kindness. Because when it comes to the church, when it comes to followers of Jesus, our acts of kindness should actually be intentional because that's the kind of life that God calls us to, to live, where we see the needs of the world around us and we respond. And so that's kind of the, the, the course of this series starts with our eyes last week where we just said, God, would you open our eyes to see the world as you see it, to see the needs of people around us as you see them. Um, and that's what's kind of our prayer at the end of the day. And then uh, this week, it's about our hearts. It's, it's God, would you change our hearts so that we might feel compassion towards people. Next week, it's about our hands. It's about going out and actually doing something about the needs of this world where we see them, we feel compassion passion, we act um, as, as we're kind of following God because that's what this world is looking for. That's what this world is really looking to the church to see if they are willing to do that because that is an expression of God's love. And so that's kind of our journey throughout these, these three weeks. So today we're going from our, our eyes last week to our hearts. And um, I believe God's got some really important stuff for us to hear today. So uh, let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. Um, Father, thank you for this morning. Um, God, I thank you that you speak into the reality of our lives, and that reality is, is that over time our hearts tend to harden towards things that we see every day, um, towards uh, situations that we just become accustomed to and used to where you want to kind of get a hold of us today and, and, and change our hearts. And so, God, I pray right now that you would open our minds to hear your voice, open our hearts so that we might respond and feel what you're saying. And God, I just ask that your presence would be felt in this room over the next little while as we open up your word and we talk about life, about the reality of where we're at and where you want us to go. In your holy name, amen. So let's start out, and we're going to start talking, start talking with our hearts, talking about our hearts. Um, and let me just tell you, with, with our hearts, when it comes to our hearts, I've never had a heart attack, but I've felt like I have before. Any of you guys ever have like a false, oh my gosh, I think this is it? Um, I have felt it where it's like kind of tightness in my chest, I can't breathe, and I kind of hold off. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking... Do I need to go to the ER now? Like, is this it? Is this the one? And, and then it kind of goes away over time. Well, what's fascinating is when it comes to heart attacks in particular, do you know there are quite a few people that go into the ER and uh, thinking they're having a heart attack and they run all the tests on them and it turns out that what they're dealing with is just a whole lot of stress, right? Isn't that crazy that stress can present itself as a feeling like a heart attack? Okay. Anybody willing to admit you've gone to the ER and that's what it was? Stress? Oh, there's a few of you. Last service, they were all liars. So you guys really <laughs> love Jesus here. Um, no, that's cool. Well, here's another thing. Do you know that there is a lot more people than you think that actually go into the ER thinking that they are having a heart attack? And it is gas. It's gas. That's what they get. That's what it is. I, my buddy Chris Zarbaugh, he's going to be here next week speaking from Michigan. Um, he leads uh, a Kensington Church up there and uh, one of the campuses up there. And um, he actually went into the ER. He was thinking he was having a heart attack. They start running all the tests. They go, the nurse is leaving his, his room to go get the nitroglycerin stick, I guess, that they put on your tongue. And she shuts the door. And as she's walking away, Chris said he's sitting there. 
he lets out a burp that's like a 4.2 on the Richter scale. He's just like, and he says it so loud that she comes back in the door, opens the door, and he says when she opens the door, he can see the people at the counter across the hall, and they're all looking in his room like this. And so she, she leans in, and she's like, I'm thinking that that might have been it. And he goes, Yep, think so. And so he walks out of there. <laughs> it was just gas. Um, well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, when it comes to our hearts, I don't know if you've dealt with anybody that's had a heart attack before or had heart issues. You learn that there's a condition called arteriosclerosis, which is really a buildup of, of material, unwanted material in an artery over a long period of time. And that artery develops a block of what's called plaque. And over time, little pieces of plaque just keep getting lodged in there. And it builds up and up and up until it becomes hardened. In fact, the medical field describes um, it quite literally as a hardening of the heart. That is what they call that condition, arteriosclerosis. It's a hardening of the heart, which leads to heart failure. Now, when that happens, when you have a blockage of the heart and your heart becomes hard, the primary way that we deal with it in our society is most of the time it's surgery. And until they remove that block, your heart cannot function correctly. Well, here is the bottom line. I'm just going to let you know the bottom line of today. I believe that something very similar happens to us spiritually, that that can happen to us spiritually. And I'll just speak for myself. There are times that I don't know if it's the way that God wired me. I don't know if it's because I'm a guy, but there are times in my life where I, I find it hard to be moved emotionally. I do. I, I just, I, I feel like it's really hard to be moved spiritually. Like there's just nothing there. It's like I should be feeling something, but it is just, my heart is hardened. Um, and there's seasons of my life where my heart is just like that. And then there's other seasons of my life where like uh, it's really soft and I fight tears at everything, like a sappy movie. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that's so beautiful. You know, a Hallmark commercial. And I'm like, <laughs> it's amazing. Like in 90 seconds, I'm crying because my heart's so soft. And so I kind of run in seasons of my heart being hardened and then my heart being soft. But if I'm honest with you, my heart seems like it's hard more than it is soft. See, unfortunately, a part of our human condition is we just become callous to things over time if you see it enough. If you see enough hardship, you see enough heartache, um, you see enough injustices in the world, um, you can just become tolerant, callous towards situations, even towards God. You can just become hardened towards him because of the, the, the nature of your life or because you've just uh, not been tuned in or never really met him. Your heart can become hardened towards him. And so the Bible actually has a term for it, um, and it's the same term. It's crazy. Scripture says we can develop a, a hard heart when it comes to the things of God. We can spiritually develop a hard heart. So it's spiritual arteriosclerosis, if you will. It's like our heart gets blocked, where our, our hearts, spiritually speaking, become hardened towards the thing of, things of God, comes hard, become hardened toward the voice of God. We don't care about the things that God cares about. We don't feel emotion towards God. We don't feel emotion about the things that God has to say. Um, we don't feel emotion towards the church. We become indifferent um, to the injustices in the world because our heart, spiritually, has kind of gone hard. It's gone cold. And we grow cynical. We grow callous. And this happens to people that say, I love Jesus. It happens over time, um, which means many of us in this room, I believe, need spiritual heart surgery. Like if we were just honest and we kind of looked inside, we're like, we need a little bit of help on a heart level. And so this is what I think it's important that we do. We need to take a few minutes and talk about how does our hearts harden spiritually? Because if you go see a doctor, 
and he says you've got heart problems, he's going to sit you down, and what is he going to talk to you about? What's he going to talk to you about? Your lifestyle, right? He's going to say, okay, uh, what are you eating? And you're going to say, well, I like uh, McDonald's and Taco Bell, and I like hamburgers with lots of cheese, french fries with lots of salt, and um, I'm pretty much doing that all the time. And he's going to say, oh, that's interesting. And then he's going to say, well, do you work out and stuff? Yeah, I work out. I like got my remote in this hand, so a really bulky forearm. In this arm, bicep, I'm putting food in my mouth regularly. And so that's about the extent of my workout. My shoulders are huge. And then he's going to say, well, are you doing, you doing, you run around anywhere? You, like, do you run? Do you do anything outside of the house? And you're going to say, no, my favorite food is Twinkies. And I sit on the couch and say, well, that's the condition of your heart. It's kind of based on how you're living your life. He's going to prescribe to you. He's going to say, get off your butt, put down the Twinkies, and go out and work out. That's just what he's going to say. We know that. We've been through that. We know that that's how this thing works. When we have heart problems, it can actually be fixed by changing our lifestyle often. So let's talk spiritually. If we were to just sit down and go, okay, let's talk about how our hearts get hardened spiritually, um, here's how we get there. It's laid out in Scripture. The first way that our hearts begin to harden is really simple. It's just, it's sin. It's sin. God uses the term hard hearts to describe the condition of those who are entrenched in sin. And sin is really simple. It's choosing your own way over God's. It's, it's knowing what God wants you to do or knowing the right thing to do and just going, ah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go my direction. I really don't want to do what's right. I want to do what's wrong because it feels better. There's more pleasure in it. Or, or I just am running with people that do those things, and so I'm going to do the same. Sin hardens our hearts. Um, it's really interesting. Jeremiah 17.1, the sin of Judah is engraved with an iron chisel on their stone-hard hearts. When we choose sin over what is right, over what God wants us to do, when we entrench ourselves in sin, it hardens our hearts spiritually. It just does. Sin moves us away from God. It hardens us as we turn our back on his ways, as we choose to do what we know um, isn't, isn't right. And a lot of people say, you know, they think, oh, well, God just wants to take all my fun away, so there I can't do all this stuff that I really like doing. It's like, no, part of why God doesn't want you to sin is because he knows that if you continue to make those choices over time, you will stop hearing his voice. You will stop being soft towards the things of God. Your heart will harden, and you will, your relationship with him will suffer. So sin is one of the ways it hardens our hearts towards God. The second way that our hearts kind of harden towards God, we get spiritual arteriosclerosis, actually is we choose to harden our heart. You can choose to harden your own heart. Um, in Proverbs 28, 14, the writer says, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, who says, You're God, I'm not. You're bigger than me. You're more powerful than me. I'm not powerful. I need your help. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but... Whoever hardens their heart, it's an active hardening of their heart, falls into trouble. Meaning what? How do you choose to harden your heart? You fight against God. You fight against what God wants you to do. Um, you can be against God for the things he wants in your life where you're just upset at what he wants. You can be against the people of God. You can be against the church. You can be uh, against the, the, the direction God wants to take your life and you want nothing to do with it. So you are against what he wants you to do. A lot of people do that. We actively choose to harden our heart. We might not think that's what's going to happen if we choose to, to, to be against God, but that's what happens to our hearts. The third thing that happens, the way, way we get to where our hearts are hard, is we ignore God. When he speaks to us, um, we ignore him. And we see this in the book of Samuel where we find this question. Where it says, why harden your hearts like the Egyptians and Pharaoh did? Why harden your hearts? 
like the Egyptians and Pharaoh did. Well, you guys um, have, know the story of Moses. And Moses was called by God to go to Pharaoh. He, they had been in uh, slavery for 400 years. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, this is what God says. It's four words. You guys know what it is? What are the four words? Let my people go. You guys saw the movie, right? Yeah. Let my people go. This is what God says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh just says, no. He ignores God. He doesn't do what God says. He knows what God's telling him, and he says, I'm not going to do it. So, so uh, Moses keeps coming back and saying, this is what God says is going to happen if you don't. And Pharaoh kept saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Every time he did that, it says that, that his heart hardened towards God. He ignored the voice of God to the point where his heart was so hard he couldn't hear it anymore. He wouldn't listen to it. He ignored it. And that hardens us. See, there's dangers when we do any one of these three where our hearts harden towards God. We can't hear God's voice. If you want to stop hearing God's voice in your life, look at one of these three things. In fact, if you're sitting here going, I don't think I hear God right now, look at one of these three things. Have you hardened your heart towards him? There's this great story about, about what happens when we do these things. Um, it's a guy named Erwin McManus. He wrote a book called The Barbarian Way, and he tells this story. He's a pastor and you know a, a, a best-selling author, and he has to go pick up his son at church camp because his son got in a fight. Like It's really bad when the pastor's son gets in a fight at church camp. You have to go pick him up. Like It's like, I haven't had to deal with that yet, and uh, I hope I never do, except if my son wins, then that's okay. Okay, that's what I look at. But, but, but here's what, what you need to know. He, he picks up his son, and his son gets in the car. And he says, is there, uh, he, he asks them, he's like, before we leave, um, is God telling you anything? Is God saying anything to you? And his son goes, yeah. He says, well, what is it? He says, he's telling me to stay and work it out with this kid. And so Erwin um, says, says, Aaron, I'm going to read it to you because the way he wrote, he said, Aaron, do you realize what just happened? You just heard the voice of the living God. He spoke to you from within your soul. Forget everything else that just happened. God has spoken to you, and you were able to recognize him. And so Aaron, at 12 years old, he says, I'm still not doing what he says. Like, that's a 12-year-old, right? So I'm still not doing it. And so Erwin just says, you can, you can make that choice. But if you do, this is what's going to happen. He says, if you reject the voice of God and choose to disobey his guidance, your heart will become hardened and your ears will become dull. And if you continue on this path, there will be a day when you will never again hear the voice of God. There will come a day when you will deny that God even speaks or has ever spoken to you. But if you treasure God's voice and respond to him with obedience, then your heart will be softened. It'll be warm. And your ears will always be able to hear the whisper of God into your soul. And he writes in his book is that Aaron then chose to stay and work it out, chose to keep his heart soft. See, when our hearts get hard towards God, we stop hearing his voice. And when we stop hearing his voice, we stop seeing what he wants us to see. We become immovable. When we stop hearing his voice, we stop caring about what God cares about. And as we learned last week, what is at the top of the list of what God cares about? He cares about the least of these. People that, that, that are hurting, that are homeless, that are lost, lonely, depressed, downtrodden. God asks his followers to do something about it. God says, I love people that no one else sees and I want you to go love people with my love. You go be my hands and my feet on earth. Not just to see them, but then to care about them, be compassionate towards them, be empathetic of, uh, towards them. And I'll just tell you, I think a lot of us aren't empathetic towards the needs of this world. 
And I'm speaking for myself. There are times where I am so hardened, I don't even see the needs of the people around me. And I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be the lead, the lead kindness giver, right? Like that's my role. And I get hardened towards the needs of the world. So just like me, I think there's a lot of us in the room. We need spiritual heart surgery today. And so here's my way of making this memorable. Um, I want you to write this down. You won't forget it. Um, I want you to write it down to help you remember it, but you've never heard this in church um, before. Uh, This is profound. This is deep. This is like right on my level. This is something that I think everybody in the room is going to resonate with, um, and that is this. This is just a simple statement um, because we need God to change our heart. If we don't, if God doesn't change our heart, um, let go ahead and put up the whole line. If God doesn't change our heart, we won't give a fart, okay? If God doesn't change our heart, we won't give a fart. He's taking a picture. Thank you. Um, if God doesn't change our heart, we won't give a fart about other people. We just won't. If God doesn't change my heart, I won't give a rip about other people. That's a joke, right? Get it? Get it? Okay. But no, if, if God doesn't do something in my heart, I won't care. I'll be so focused on my own needs I'll become indifferent to the things that matter to God, which are people. If God doesn't change my heart, when God prompts me to do something, I won't hear him or I won't be willing or I won't have the opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. So the question is, what do we do? How do we keep our hearts from from growing hard? Well, you find the answer in the book of Revelation, believe it or not. It's written by um, the apostle John on the island of Patmos when he was in exile. Um, he's the only disciple not martyred um, for his faith in Jesus. They actually they didn't kill him. They didn't behead him. They didn't crucify him. They actually just sent him away to die on this island. Well, while he's on this island, an angel shows up and uh, says, John, I want you to write down this revelation that I'm about to give you. That's where the name of the book comes from. The, this angel reveals to John um, the future. He reveals to him what is going on in heaven, and he writes down everything that the angel shows him. Um, and the first thing the angel says is, is in this revelation, John, I want you to write down seven letters to seven churches. I want you to write a letter to each church that I need you to send to them um, now because it is from God. And in Revelations 2, 3 through 5, we see this first letter written to the church of Ephesus. And this is what it says. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So he commends them. He says, hey, you've, you've, uh, you've endured hardships. You've persevered in my name. You've not gotten tired. You're still at it. Way to go. But yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And so what John is writing to the church about is losing their first love. He's saying, you've lost your first love. At first, they were in love with Jesus, and they did the things that you do when you're in love. Um, Very common for Christ followers. When they first meet Jesus, it's like your whole life is about Jesus. You're in love with Jesus. He just gave you an eternity in heaven. He just saved you from an eternity apart from God. You're thankful for that. You begin to see life differently. Your eyes are open. Your heart is changed and transformed, and you do what you do when you're in love. You start off madly in love with Jesus. You want to go to church every time the doors are open. You sing every song at the top of your lungs. You serve on a serving team. You go on mission trips. You get in Bible studies. You do men's groups. You do women's groups. You tell everyone everywhere, I found the truth. You need to know who Jesus is. Let me introduce him to you. You get bumper stickers that say there's one way. It's to Jesus. You know, you you no longer smoke, drink, or chew. You don't hang with people that do. You know, it's like you just change your life. You're in love. You tell God, I will go anywhere and do anything you want me to do, and you sincerely mean it. That's what you do when you're first in love. 
But then what so ha- often happens, and maybe this has happened in your walk with God, you get complacent. You get a little bit lazy. You stop meeting with Jesus regularly. You start to drift. You stop reading God's word. You stop regularly attending services because it's inconvenient. Um, You're not coming to a place where you're hearing about God on a regular basis because the weather is a little bit off or you've got plans going on and and it's just not worth your time as much like it used to be. You give in to temptation. You drop out of small group like you used to go every time and now you're like maybe once every six weeks because you got stuff going on. You stop hearing God's voice. God's just not active in your life anymore. You become indifferent towards God, and eventually you end up with a hard heart. That's just kind of the the path. You can lose your first love. If it used to be Jesus, you can lose that over time. And let me just tell you, this losing your first love is a big deal. It happens in all kinds of areas of of life. Let me just ask those of you in just regular relationships, um, maybe with Jesus, but regular relationships, love relationships, how many of you have lost your first love before? Anybody ever lose their first love? Like you had it and then the flame kind of died? Okay, yeah, there's quite a a few of us in here. Um, But but this is is the way it it works. It's like in a marriage relationship. I remember when I fell in love with Melissa, I was stupid in love. Have you ever been stupid in love? You're crazy in love? You do all the dumb things you do when you're madly in love with somebody? It's like, you know, I remember praying for just the right girl, and I waited for a, it felt like a year, I think, I waited for just the right girl to come along. Then I meet Melissa, and we're both junior high leaders at this camp in Cincinnati, um, uh, at, at the University of Cincinnati. Literally, it's the only good thing that's ever come out of the state of Ohio in the, in the history of Ohio because it's just a hole. But anyways, um, you know, so I met her while we're serving. Um, we go on our first date, and I was smitten with her. It took her a little bit longer. Um, you know, she's a little slow to the ball game. You know, it's like it took her like a couple months um, to get, you know, it's like, wow, you're, I know you're thinking, how could it have taken her that long? Um, but no, it just took her a little while to become smitten with me. But as that started to happen, we we just, we really got stupid. Like time would slow down when she would walk in the room. She developed the ability to walk in slow motion somehow and her hair would just go in the wind and like I would just, it's the only, she's the only thing I could see. We would make phone calls and we would not want to get off the phone with each other. I don't know if you remember doing this when you fell in love. We wouldn't want to get off the phone with each other, but we ran out of things to say. So we would just breathe on the phone together. And it wasn't like, <laughs> it was like, you know, just you could just hear the other person. We're there. We're there together. Very expensive long-distance phone bills, by the way, back then because you had to pay for that. Um, she was at the University of Michigan. I was at Oakland University up in, up in the Detroit area, north of Detroit. And it was an hour and a half between. I would literally drive three, and a half, three hours round trip just to go get ice cream at this ice cream place we found in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I would drive three hours to spend 15, 20, 30 minutes with her grabbing an ice cream cone. That's just, we were madly in love. There was no price too high. I would do anything. First love is crazy like that, right? Like that's what you do when you're, when you have your first love, you're nuts. But then over time you get married, right? After like a couple years, a bunch of years, you get married and those feelings dissipate over time a little bit, don't they? It's not like in the first week because they're still strong or the first month, but over time uh, the feelings wane. It's kind of like what we do spiritually, but in, in relationships, we're kind of using the metaphor, we get complacent, you know, in our, in our relationships where we used to be on fire, we're complacent. We stop dating the other person. Um, the reality of marriage doesn't quite meet our expectations of marriage. Um, if you're like me, I had these expectations that were so out of whack. And then you start having kids and you, you get busy and then you have another kid or two and you get a dog and a guinea pig um, like we have now and you get a little busier. Your feelings begin to drift a little bit and you're like, ha, drive three hours to see you. 
Nope, not doing that. That is way too much driving. I'll just see you when you get home. Like we kind of get to that point and over time our hearts harden towards each other. Our hearts can harden towards each other. The feelings go away. It's very, very similar to what happens in our relationship with God since we're talking about spiritual things to where Jesus isn't our first love anymore. We're not madly in love with him. And so the question is, what do we do when our hearts get hard spiritually? You might be sitting here going, if I'm honest, I think my heart is hard towards God, towards other people, towards the thing that God cares about, towards the church. My heart's just hard. And if that's you, what do we do? Um, You know, John answered it. I don't know if you saw the answer. He answered what we do in that passage of scripture that I read to you. If we go back to um, uh, Revelations 2, verse 5a, uh, the first half of that, he says, so what? Repent. And do the things you did at first. It's so tricky, right? It's like, what? Like, that's so hard. It's just repent. What does repent mean? Repent means you do this. First step to warm your heart back up is repent means I'm going in this direction. I'm going away from God. Repent just means stop and turn around. Go back and do what you did. Go back towards God. Start thinking about the things of God. Let him back in. Confess the fact that that's the reality of what you've done. You are moving away from God. And you say, I'm not going to live that way anymore. And so you turn back to the things you did at first. Craig Groeschel, he's a pastor of one of the largest churches in the country. Um, He writes all kinds of books. But this is how he said, he said this for marriage, but it also works in our spiritual walk. He said this, he says, to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. Well, what did you do when you first were married in relationships? You date You know you don't stop dating after you get married? You date. You spend lots of time together. You leave the kids at home. You're like, I can't leave the kids at home. Yes, you can. They'll be fine. Go date your husband or wife. Like, get out of the house and go spend time together. You talk to each other and you put your devices down and you talk. You don't talk. You talk and you listen a lot and you spend time staring into each other's eyes if you can at that moment. But you put everything away and you just, you listen, you talk, you pursue. That's what we do that in our relationships whenever things start going down a little bit. We know that kind of instinctively. But spiritually, we kind of just let things wane. So what do you do at first? Well, the first thing that you do if you're, when you met Jesus, you know what? You couldn't get enough of this book if you're like me. God's love letter to you. Do you realize that on every page this book, God is saying, I love you. I care about you. You're my child. I have plans for you. I have dreams for you. If you follow me, your life will never be the same. If you do things my way, you will find blessing after blessing after blessing. You know that's in this book. When you are first in love with Jesus, you can't get enough of it because every page you're learning about who he is. When you, the things you did at first is you actually went to church almost every Sunday. Do you remember those days? If you aren't, you remember the fact that you just, every time the doors were open, you were there. Why? Because every time we're here, we're opening God's word and God's speaking. We need that. I need that. I just got to tell you, you think I'm up here giving you words. You don't think God's speaking to me right now? He talks to me every Sunday. I'm so glad I have to be here every Sunday. Because God talks here. It's what you did at first. It softens our heart. You spend time with Jesus in prayer, listening, talking, engaging in worship. Like when we do the songs that we're going to do in a few minutes, you know what you, know what you do if, if this is you, you repent, you do what you did at first, you engage the music, you engage the lyrics, you might even sing them out. You might actually do uh, worship God physically by raising your hands or, or something that allows you to experience it differently. That's what you did before. So step one is you repent, do what you once did. The second step is you re-engage. 
If your heart is hard, start moving. Engage the mission of God. Engage in giving your life away. Craig Groeschel, he says it this way. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. That's why at, at first in relationships, you're crazy about the person. And then over time, you're not anymore. Somewhere, this is why, somewhere along the way, you stopped engaging. You stopped giving and started focusing on what you were getting or weren't getting. Right? We've done this. You stop focusing on what you're giving to the other person and giving your life away for them. You start focusing on what you're, what you're getting and not getting. We do this with God all the time. We don't feel close. We aren't getting what we want from God. He's not answering our prayers right. So what do we do? We stop engaging him. We disengage. We blame. Um, God gets distant, and, and we, just, we stop engaging him on a regular basis. I'll just tell you, if that's you, you need to re-engage God. This is what God says to us in Revelation 3. Verse 20 says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together. What is, what, what is that saying? If God feels distant from you, you need to realize he hasn't moved. You have. He's still at the door of your heart knocking, waiting for you to open it. He hasn't walked away from you. You've moved away from him, which means if you re-engage, if you go open the door, what does it say? I'll come in. God says, well, we'll share a meal together. We'll rekindle our relationship if you will just open the door. And I love it. My mom um, used to always tell us this growing up, uh, when we were growing up. She used to just say, look, God's a gentleman. He will only come in if he's invited, meaning you can shut God out of your life if you want. But to get him back in, you know what? All you got to do is open the door. That's all you got to do. So we repent, we re-engage, and then step three to warming our hearts back up is we re-pursue. Re-pursue. I know that does not make sense, right? But I just need another re-word. Re-pursue. If you want to fall back in love, pursue, pursue, pursue. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 7. He says, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. What does that mean? Just pursue God. Pursue him in what? He'll talk to you. He'll respond to you. It's like if your marriage starts drifting downward, you can bet that you stop pursuing at some point. Same in our walk with God. Now here's the, here's the good news. Your relationship with God can be special again. It can be red hot again if you and I will engage God, if we will pursue God, if we will work him back into the regular rhythm of our life, if we will work this book back into our reading rotation, if we will show up here on a regular basis and be a part of this community of people that love God, if we will get in a small group, a men's group, a women's group, if we will serve on a team, if we will love other people, if we will serve people in need in our community, do you realize that if you do that, you can rekindle your emotions? Um, I have a psych degree from the University of, 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 from Oakland University, and this is one of the things I remember. It stuck with me, you know, 15 years ago when I graduated from college. It still stuck with me. Um, it's a joke. I'm really older than that, but thank you for let me look young. Um, they said you sometimes in counseling, you can act your way to feeling differently. You don't wait till you feel differently and then you change your actions. You can actually change your actions and your emotions will follow your actions. Meaning for some of you, you might not feel like it right now in your spiritual walk with God, but if you will start to 
act differently, live differently. You will find your emotions break free. Your heart um, softens and suddenly your emotions will catch up with your actions and you will, you will actually be able to engage with God and you will actually have a soft heart. In fact, when you do what we just talked about, those three steps, this is what scripture says um, in Ezekiel 36. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll just tell you, when you have a heart of flesh, you can be irresponsive to God. You're compassionate to other people. You actually feel what you're supposed to feel emotionally when you see the needs of a broken world. Your heart can actually be broken for the things that God's heart breaks for. And so this series, um, we are calling Intentional Acts of Kindness. We have challenged you guys over the course of these three weeks to go out and do intentional acts of kindness. And I want to hear from you who were here last week. How many of you did that this week? Just show me your hand. Be loud. Be proud. There we go. Good. A lot of you did. That is awesome. Um, well, what we want to do to inspire the rest of you, we're asking you to, to, to go do three intentional acts of kindness over the course of the three weeks. I'll explain it a little bit later, but we want to inspire you about what can happen when we do things for people that they're not expecting, but it's kind. So what we did is Chris Zarbaugh, again, be here next week, he went out in Michigan to Rick's Tire and Auto Shop and decide, we decided, they decided up there they were going to pay people's auto bills at the counter for them. Um, and what, there's two things you need to know about this. Rick, the guy that you're going to see in the video, is Sierra's dad. She's our new um, K-Kids coordinator working with Amanda, so you're going to see her dad on there. So it's a cool connection there. But what they told him to do is when they brought their car in, they said, hey, if you see anything else that needs fixing on their car, fix it, and then present them with the higher bill. And then when they freak out, we'll show up and we'll pay for it. Okay, so that's what's going on in this video. Now, while you see this, we're going to receive our offering. So ushers, go ahead and come on forward. Um, for those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. And then for, uh, for those of you that, um, that are new and visiting, let the basket go by. We're grateful that you are here. And then while we do that, I want you to notice um, what it feels like to bless people like the church is supposed to. So we're talking about intentional acts of kindness. And so we're here today at Rick's Tire and Wheel. And our goal today is to just pay for people's mechanic bill as they come walking through the door. And we're really excited and we can't wait to see what God's going to do. Back breaks are at 10% and you know about the thing. So I figured yeah. why we just get in and we go ahead and do it all. What do you mean? What do you, uh, we just go ahead and do it all while you're here. You know, I know we said about 300, so it, it's actually probably 750. <gasps> Oh my gosh, okay, well. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and pay for it today. Take care what? of it. What? So free uh, there you go. What are yeah. you talking about? What? Yeah. That's an awful big blessing. Okay, well do I have to do something? No, you have like... to all you have to do is take your car, take the bill, and it's all handled. Yeah. Well thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So what this is is put in the real wind regulator motor, it's two hundred and thirty dollars total. How about if I just pay for it? How's that? And then just tell your mom, God bless you. God is good. And that's it. You guys know, you guys know my mom? Nope. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. That's very, that's very kind. Very appreciate that. Yeah, that's very welcome. kind. Thank, Thank you, you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, right too. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. I'm very undeserving. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. It was my son came and picked yeah, up the yeah, car. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I want to pass it on. 
so how can I? <laughs> I would say the best thing you could do is go do it for somebody else randomly. Total bill is $50. We're going to go ahead and take care of it today. God is good. Oh, my goodness. Take oh, care of it. We're just going to go ahead and take care of it for you. Oh, really? Yeah, God is good. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, Awesome. Awesome. Okay, Thanks thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. It was like twelve hundred and seventy-five dollars. Excuse right. me. Excuse me, ma'am. Um, I would like to pay for the twelve hundred and seventy-five dollars. Hi, um, my girlfriend was at uh, Rick's Tire, and I believe it was the pastor of your church uh, paid her bill, which was fourteen hundred dollars. Just want to thank you, and and I know God will bless you. Uh, this was a bill that came a little bit more than what I expected, but with the thing, because we put the master in, it was 825 total. Oh, okay, yeah, the master too, okay. All right, exactly. So today, we're going to go ahead and just pay that for you. Oh, yeah? Get out of here. So, God bless you? Nuh-uh. For real? No. That's it, buddy. God no way. You. God is good. No way, get out of here. No, for real. I know you've had your share of problems oh, with uh, past. God. So. Oh my God, dude. Amen. God is good. Wow. Oh my God. Right day at the right time. Oh my God, I'm dying right now. Thank you so much, man. Welcome, buddy. God bless you. Well, you said uh, you said if anybody could use a heat, you come across some hardships lately? Uh, yeah. Um, a little bit. <laughs> It's just been really tough, and, and uh, I, I need my car for, for work and everything. Yeah. You got the trans flush, and you wanted the injection, right, with, with the one, yeah. and then along with the power steering flush. Anyways, the total is four ninety-five. He suckered me into a bunch of more money. Come on. I'm paying people's mechanic bills. Well, you're paying. I'm paying for you. That's five hundred. There it is. Right. No, it's not. No, yes, sir. I don't do that, sir. My grandfather was a preacher, and no, appreciate it, but no, I can't do that. Are you serious? I, I'm serious. I cannot do that. Uh, well, Everybody I, works for a living, and so do I. I, I greatly appreciate it. It's top-notch, but let somebody else that really needs it. Help somebody else out. And then throw it on the card that he has to do. Which is just what happened I have to do it. I have to listen to my pastor first. Okay. Yeah, there it is, man. God bless All you. Right. Thank you, sir. I, I really wish you paid somebody else that would that really needs it. I, yeah. I'm off for our vets. That is just awesome. Thank you so God bless much. you. Call I had to take right after that happened? Yes, sir. Medical supply place just cost me 485 bucks out of my pocket. I wasn't expecting so. Which is almost the amount of your bill. I just walked on. I just thought that's it, really. I looked across and thanks, Graham. That's wow. awesome. Beatty was a total. Okay. Yeah, you've been sitting here watching us for the last hour. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and take care of your bill today. And so it's all paid for. You don't have to worry about it. And uh, you didn't think we were going to let you slide out of here without doing that, did I you? I really didn't. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what to say. Thanks. You're welcome. God bless you, baby. Isn't that cool? It's fun. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, dang it, I wish I was at Rick's Tire and Auto that day. <laughs> you know what actually happened is that last guy that you saw, I watched him do it for an hour, 600 bucks for his bill. He actually came in later and he said, I want to pay it forward. So he gives Rick an envelope with $600 cash in it. 
15 minutes later, this is Rick's story. He says, 15 minutes later, an elderly widow walks in, her tire had blown and had done damage to the side of her car. Guess what her bill came out to? 600 bucks. She couldn't pay for it. And he had an envelope with 600 bucks in it. You see, when you and I respond with intentional acts of kindness, we never quite realize what's at stake. We never quite realize what God might want to do in that moment. Our job is to just be responsive to his voice. And when we're responsive to his voice, that can actually become a lifestyle. That can be a way that you live when God prompts you respond and God gets the glory as people's lives change. And I will just tell you, you cannot respond to God like that until he transforms your heart. For some of you today is a day where you just take that hard heart and you start opening it back up and it starts softening to becoming like it used to be. And others of you, you need God to transform your heart by inviting Jesus into your life for the first time ever. And if that's you, today's your day where you invite Jesus in. You say, I believe. I want you to change me from the inside out. I don't want to live with this hard heart anymore. I want to live with a heart of flesh that's sensitive to the needs of the world and sensitive to you, God. So would you pray with me? Every, every eye closed, every head bowed. Lord, I pray for us right now. God, there are some of us right now that our heart has been cold as stone for years, and you want to break us free today. So Lord, I pray that you would begin that process right now in some of us. God, for those in the room that want to accept you for the first time, I pray that right now you would just fill them up with the, the, the presence of your Holy Spirit. And if that's you in the room, all you have to do is invite Jesus in and say, I believe and ask for his forgiveness. And he says he sends his Holy Spirit to you to make that change in you and to begin softening your heart towards God. And you can pray that at any moment. Lord, I pray for us as a church. May we be a church that is known for our intentional acts of kindness. And we will give you all the glory as you change the lives of hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people through one act of kindness after another where you get the glory. In your holy name, Lord.